Welcome back to the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV AM and FM on WDEVradio.com. Our holiday special. I'm emptying the bag here. A bunch of things on the mind kind of all scattered around here as we go through the holiday season. Eric Eager, pro football focus, data scientist, data analyst. He's with us every single week. Eric, man, how are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm, I'm similar to you. I'm trying to cram five days of work into three, uh, <laughs> even though the season uh, is still going on. So uh, I'm, I'm glad we're in week 16, though. I was discussing this yesterday on the show with uh, Bob Sosi, the Patriots broadcaster. How long do you think it takes to fix the Patriots? And I guess by fix, I mean get them to be a team that can win a division. Not necessarily win the Super Bowl, but be a division, a division champion. Man, I you know it depends. I think you know you, we watched Zach Wilson last night play for BYU. That's obviously you know a quick fix if you are able to go ahead and draft somebody of him or Justin Fields caliber. You're not really in that position right now, and you you don't have uh, necessarily the capital or the ability to go up and and get uh, a different play. You know, get that pick in a trade. So I think it's probably a couple year process. I think you you lay the foundation for a year. You probably lose for a year, uh, and then you draft the quarterback and hope that he develops as quickly as some of these other young guys have. So you're in favor of waiting to draft a quarterback. I'm in favor of drafting the quarterback now. And and I say, look, I look at Buffalo, Cleveland, Arizona. Those all teams all went from picking in the top ten or a number one in some cases to being really good within two or three years. I think the Patriots, if they get the quarterback early. They could be back potentially winning a division in a year or two. Yeah, I, the the only question is when do they pick, right? I mean, the issue is is if you look at the history of the league, pick, quarterbacks picked from let's say ten to thirty two. You have Mahomes, you have Watson, you have Lamar, but there's a lot of quarterbacks in there that are kind of like you know reaches, right? And and we even saw it in 2018. I mean, you know, you had the you had the quarterbacks, you know, the Allens, the Rosens, uh, the Darnolds, and the Mayfields all go in the top ten. They're all shoved to the front. And then you have the earth, no quarterbacks taken from 11 to 31. And then you have the team that trades back into the first round to try to get that fifth year option on a guy like Lamar. Um, that That's where it's hard for me with a team that's like bad, but not like bad enough to be picking in, you know, firmly in the top 10. That's where I'm worried about, you know, for the Patriots. Like now they, they lose out and they, they hopefully, you know, can get themselves in a position there. It might be better, but that's always an issue with, you know, teams that are sort of in that like purgatory area where like the quarterbacks are not as plentiful in that middle part of the first round because a guy who's like franchise caliber worthy is being traded up for you know let me ask you a question that's kind of off the beaten path here so jed fish is the patriots quarterback coach he just took the job at arizona just today so he's gone he had been thought of as a replacement for josh mcdaniels if mcdaniels leaves and i see patriots fans saying well bill can just go and hire bill o'brien for a year until he wants to be a head coach again somewhere and i'm like i don't want to hold a coach down but i'd rather get an offensive coordinator that might be here for a couple of years because i'm gonna have a young quarterback the last thing i want to do is introduce constant offensive coordinator turnover to him am i making too much of a big deal out of that or does a change in systems and personnel really affect a young quarterback I think so. I mean, it can always help for the better, right? So you've seen it, uh, you know, in Cleveland having Stefanski come in and play, you know, have and and put, you know, mess with Baker's play. That's yeah. really, helped. Um, but you've also seen it negatively, uh, you know, with Darnold having, you know, going from you know two different coaches in a in that in that span. It's really not worked out for him. Ryan Tannehill is a similar situation where he was. I mean, Joe Philbin was his coach early on, and then eventually it was Adam Gase, and then it was you know he, it took him a while to actually get to a position where he was good with a coach and. 
if Arthur Smith leaves Tennessee this year, it might not be as, as rosy for him uh, in the future. So I, I think that's always why, like having a defensive-minded coach, uh, the Patriots have sort of bucked the trend, but it, it's – you know, it's an issue I think associated with you know having a, a coach that can leave. Matt Ryan's place since since yeah. uh, Kyle Shanahan left has gone downhill. You know, not to a huge degree, but enough for them not to be a contender anymore. And that that's really the risk that the Patriots have when they try to you know win. You know, McDaniel's been there for so long; it's kind of been a, a unicorn. But if he leaves, like it, it, it's it's not as trivial because you get guys cycling through that position off and on. Let me ask you about some of the Patriots' chief rivals, one of which is we're going to see on Monday when they play, and that's Buffalo. How did they get good so fast? Because I was never really a Josh Allen believer, and he appears to have taken some big strides this year. They've 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 gone down the path where if they were going to fail with Allen, they were going to fail quickly, and and I like that. I I think Denver's done the same thing with Drew Locke. When you consistently put talent around a young quarterback, you find out the most about him right away. Um, so they went and got John Brown last year. They got Cole Beasley last year. They got Stefan Diggs this year. Allen really has no excuses. And to his credit, he's played extremely well, but they put him in a position to play well. His receivers are open repeatedly. Dable's doing a good job with that offense. They have, I think, a pretty robust analytics department. Their defense, they, they've done it at the expense of defense, knowing that defense kind of oscillates from year to year. So uh, I, I'm, a, you know, I'm a big fan of how Buffalo did it. And they did it, you know, I, they did it in a, in a way that I think is is really smart, which is if you're going to go with a young quarterback, know the failure rate's high, and the worst thing that you can do is fail slowly. You know, I, I think you bring up a good point, and I hate this for quarterbacks. Like, it almost feels sometimes like Allen or Mahomes or Russell Wilson, they get punished for having their organizations put them in good situations like that. Like, people will look at it and say – you know, yeah, but can he elevate those around him? He shouldn't always have to elevate those around him. You should put people around him that can help him. And the quarterback doesn't always get that help. And we kind of try to poo-poo it. But I, I like when an organization does that for a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, there, you don't get a trophy for a quarterback being good on a bad team, right? Like the yeah. Falcons get no trophies. The the Vikings get no trophies for Kirk Cousins. Like the, the point of football is to win and, and to win the Super Bowl. And you look at Kansas City, like they've spent three years, $48 million on Sammy Watkins, who is their third best receiver on their team. But they knew when they were paying Mahomes 10... 10th overall pick money that they could afford the Sammy Watkins. They could afford the Frank Clarks and they could really go for it. And now that they have to pull back and pay Mahomes, they know that the, the support's not going to be there. And that's really the hard part, right? The hard part isn't necessarily getting to where Buffalo's gotten. The hard part is to maintain it if they pay Allen the 30, 35 million dollars a year that he's probably going to command in his second contract. Because then all of a sudden you're not able to afford afford brown beasley and Diggs, at least at their current level and that's really where that's like what's really hard and we've seen this with jared goff in la yeah like, goff got them to a super bowl on the rookie deal and now it's not as easy for him right and you know they don't have three receivers they have two good receivers now and you know and the defense isn't quite as good although it's played well this year and, and that's that's really the hard part and that's when you look and staring down the barrel with Cleveland with Baker Mayfield, Buffalo with Josh Allen. The really tough evaluation is, is this guy going to be good when we don't give him the, the infrastructure? I want to ask you a question about value because I've seen a lot of people say when it comes to the Jets that now if they're not going to get Trevor Lawrence, they should just keep Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold is a better prospect, they say, than Justin Fields. And I look at it like, hey, maybe that's true. Maybe Darnold is a little better than Fields, but they're really close to having to pay him a lot of money. So 
Would I rather take Fields, who might be a little bit worse, but he's going to be cheaper for a lot longer? Yeah, and if you don't if you don't resolve the head coach coordinator situation, does it really matter that much? Like mm-hmm. the the small differences in Fields and and Darnold are not going to be not going to be enough to make up for the fact that you've already wasted three years of cheap salaries for for Darnold, right? Like that that's really the calculus. Yeah, maybe Darnold in a vacuum is better than, you know, Wilson and Fields next year. But the fact of the matter is, is if you get, you know, eventually, like the worst thing you could do is be the Bears right now. The Bears are like discussing giving Mitch Trubisky a contract, which is going to pay him more than any of the top draft picks in the draft this year at quarterback. Like that's an, a terrible process. Blake Blake Bortles' second contract was reasonable, but he was terrible. And, and so he was being paid $15, $20 million when they could have moved on, they could have had Lamar Jackson in the 2018 draft, for example. And like, those are the, those are the, the value, you know, cost calculations that people have to make that they simply don't, I, th- I think uh, very well. Patriots were down 22 to 12 the other day with a minute and 15 left against the dolphins and fourth and three, they went for it rather than kick a 40 yard field goal. Tell me that was just a boneheaded mistake by Belichick. And there's not some analytically, inclined reason that he was correct because I look at it like take the points kick the onside kick and give yourself a chance instead they don't get it and they lose the game because of it so it was he right did analytics say you should go for the go for it there well it was on the other side of the two-minute warning or was it yeah it was 114 the Patriots had two timeouts left and they didn't use them they decided to go for it on fourth and three rather than kick I that one's tricky I so there was the game on Saturday where Matt Rule kicked it on first down. Yes. Yeah. And that, that was a bad decision because your chances of getting to the 15 yard line again are pretty small. Whereas kickers nowadays are pretty good. And you can, if you get, you know, a stop, get an onside kick, get the ball, like the 40, you even, you give yourself a chance of the field goal. Um, in that situation, it's tough because they were at like the 20 yard line. I want to, yeah. So if you think about in both those situations, you need an onside kick, right? Yep. And the your chances of scoring from the 23 in a few seconds is pretty high um your chance of scoring from let's say your own 40 after you recover that or 45 after you recover that onside kick scoring a touchdown is basically the probability of a hail mary so you're stacking probability of onside kick probability of hail mary it's basically zero if you do score so let's say you take 30 more seconds and score there then you the onside kick could lead to a field goal much more simply, right? Like you basically just have to complete one or two passes. So I can see where he's coming from. I have to look at the numbers, but I do think that like the kicking it first is becoming too popular. Uh, if it's fourth and short, you're actually more likely it's you're better off trying to go for a touchdown there because your odds are so long to begin with. And if you're already close to their end of the field, like especially with an offense like the Patriots, their chance of scoring a touchdown isn't very high on any drive. So if you've already gotten to the 20, like you might, you know, I think you double down there. I think I seriously just look at it like the Patriots offense does nothing and was doing nothing. So the idea of them being able to convert and then score, that didn't seem likely. It almost felt like they were better off kicking the field goal and then going for the Hail Mary. I feel like they have just as good a chance to get the Hail Mary as they do to actually make four or five more successful plays to score. That feels fair. I think, yeah, that's a, that's something to think about. I, I think. <laughs> Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus, with us every single week. Eric, man, we wish you a great holiday. And uh, we will be back next week to uh, recap Patriots' bills and then get ready for hard to believe week 17. So, Eric, man, we appreciate it. And uh, we will talk to you again soon. It's going to be 2021 before the next time we talk. So, uh, have, a, have a happy holiday season.